Blog Talk Radio.
Anybody on blog talk, please mute your phone until it's time for you to speak. Uh, this weekend passed my great nephew, which is my sister Sheila's grandson. Carvon was in a bad car accident. He was driving his truck and a vehicle hit him. And really his father's SUV. And a vehicle blew the light and hit him and it totaled his SUV that he was driving, and my nephew was crying so hard because he was having a reflect. What I mean by a reflect, he was reflecting that just a month ago his grandmother was killed because of a person in a hurry running a light and hit her and killed her. And my nephew was crying so hard, all he could say is, he could have killed me. He could have killed me. So with all of that being said, I'm just saying to you all, when you know you are in a season of prayer, you're in a season of attack, you have to know who your source is. And during this season, we don't we don't and won't turn to anything but the Lord because we know that because of God's strength, grace, and mercy, that's what's carrying us through. So with that being said, I'm going to, check to see if my co-hosts are on the line because tonight we're talking about family. And I want you all to understand that family is a precious commodity. Hmm. You can't buy it. Some people adopt it. Some people foster it. Some people say they're God, sister, God, brother, God, mother, God, father, whatever. But family is a precious commodity. It's due to the bloodline. And I want you all to receive the ministry on the night because we're talking about family. So, Minister Ron and Mother Tony, are you on the line tonight? Yes, we are. Good evening. Okay. I'm, good evening. I'm so glad that you all are on the line. And if anyone is not speaking at this time that's um, a part of the ministry at this moment, could you please mute your phone and allow myself, Minister Ron and, and Mother uh, Tony Montgomery, to uh, minister to us tonight, and when we open the lines later, you all are more than welcome to unmute your line and talk to us then. But for right now, I'm going to hand it over to Mother Tony and Minister Ryan to start off our program. It's in your hands. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate uh, everything that you do in providing this, Minister Renee, and um we're so happy to be here tonight. Tony's back after her short hiatus. <laughs> Remember the last time we did this? I was solo, and I was uh, yeah. I, I was just uh, flying along there, and uh, uh, I, I didn't feel a thing because the Lord was in control, so I was all yeah. right. But it's good to have her back. <laughs> Thank hey, you, man. It's good to be here. It's good to be here, and uh, we're going to open with a word of prayer. And so, Lord, we love you because you are great and magnificent, and there's no God like you. We call you Abba, Father, because you are the 
originator of our salvation. You are our our guide. You are our comforter. You are our keeper. We thank you, Lord God, for uh, sheltering young man, Lord, and keeping him, keeping uh, the hand of death away from him and uh, helping him realize that you are um, the author of the beginning and the end of life. And it's in your hands that we uh, operate and we have the ability to to rejoice and, and know that you are in control. We ask God that you help him understand that uh, it's not about this. It is about life. And we have it more abundantly. And so we just ask God that you help him, Lord, uh, with just the reflection of, of losing his grandmother and realizing that uh, life is fleeting. We ask that you uh, bless us as we, Lord God, talk tonight. Teach your people about conflict. It has, you've placed it on my heart, Lord God. I've not been able to shape it. And so, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to what the voice of God is saying. So bless us, Lord God, as we step into a subject that people don't deal with very often, especially not in the body of Christ. And so, Lord, whoever this message goes to, we ask God that you meet them at their point of need. Help them to understand and receive the knowledge that you have given us, that it will bless the body. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And it's interesting that you should put it that way, Tony, that um, we um, don't deal with these things, this, these conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're going to describe uh, tonight about some of it, uh, uh, not dealing with the conflict. But uh, we have to understand that conflict is inevitable. Yes. But we have been given biblical methods. Mm-hmm. Of being able to deal with it effectively In fact Many times out of conflict comes growth Amen. And we don't want to refuse the opportunity To grow not only In our relationship with each other But in our relationships with God yeah. I think he, that he designed it So we would uh, Depend on him and not on ourselves Exactly And so uh, conflict is a part of life And uh, and And we'll talk a little more about that and so um, I think that uh, it's, we're going to start with the story. So we're going to be doing I'm gonna do some teaching uh, more so tonight. And so we're going to start with uh, a, a very familiar story for some. And I'm going to visit First Samuel 25. And that's where we find the story of David, Abigail, and Nabal. And uh, so I, as a, a friend of mine, I'm just going to take my time. Take my time, y'all. Join take my time. And uh, the scripture reads that uh, while David, um, 25 and 4, while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing, shearing sheep. So David sent ten young men, uh, instructing them, go up to Carmel, and when you come to Nabal, greet him in my name. Then say 
this. Live long, long life to you and peace to you, peace to your family, and peace to all that is yours. I hear that you are sharing. Now, when was going on when the sheep were being sheared, that was also the time for um, people needed to be protected. And so David made sure that Nabal was protected and all that was going on that day and, uh, and that there was a feast. And, and David um, said to Nabal, he said, uh, I, we, you know, we need food. We, we, uh, would you please give us bread? And uh, and provide for my men who have been watching over your sheep and all of those um, in the field. And then Nabal's response, I don't know if y'all remember, he says, who is David? Who is Jesse's son? Many slaves these days are running away from their masters. So I suppose, am I supposed to take my bread, my water, my meat, and, and that I butchered for my shearers and give that to these men? I don't know where y'all are from. Now, that's just a, a scenario of conflict because now David's young men uh, go back, retrace their steps, and they return to David. And uh, it's not good because David says, okay, now all of y'all put on your sword. And each of those men did that, and also David put on his sword, and it was about 400 of them that followed David, and 200 stayed behind. But don't think it'll happen. David is not playing with Nabal. Um, one of Nabal's young men, however, informed Abigail, Nabal's wife, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he screamed at them. So now Abigail gets this information and she has to respond to it. Abigail has some choices here. She considered carefully what you should do. And before, uh, here it says, it says, now consider carefully what you should do because there is certain to be trouble for our master and his entire family. Again, David sent peace to everything. Now we're talking about trouble for the entire family. He is such a worthless fool, nobody can talk to him. So Nabal has now been defined, his character is being defined. Maybe you can think of when you've been in conflict with somebody and you think, "Mm, this person is not responding very well. 18, Abigail hurries, takes 200 loaves of bread, two clay pots of wine, five butchered sheep, a a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins. The girlfriend, she goes and she takes, she raises the pantry and she takes it all. She goes and and she tells her male servant to go ahead of her and I will be behind you. But she did not tell her husband what she was doing. Mm-hmm. So now this relationship, this marriage is being jeopardized because of the husband's response to a person in authority. 
who was not trying to take over, but just trying to get some uh, food for his uh, men, who had been protecting Mabel and his family. It says in 20 that she rode the donkey down a mountain passage behind from the view, hidden from the view, I'm sorry. She saw David and his men coming towards her and met them. David had just said, I guard everything that belongs to this man in the wilderness for nothing. He was not missing anything, yet he paid me back evil for good. May God punish me and do so severely if I if I let any of his males survive until morning. So now we're talking that David is going to respond in anger, but physically. He's getting ready to deal with Nabal the way he deals with a lot of things. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off of the donkey, kneeled down, with her face to the ground and paid homage to David. She kneeled at his feet and said, The guilt is mine, my Lord, but please let your servant speak to you directly. Listen to the words of your servant. So now Abigail goes to David alone. He's not out there trying to get in front of everybody. My Lord should pay no attention to this worthless fool, Nathan, for he lives up to his name. Now, what does it tell you? His name means stupid. And stupidity all and all is all that he knows. I, your servant, did not see my Lord's young man whom you sent. And, and she goes on and she blesses David. And she tells David, you know, let let. Let these gifts your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord is certain to make a lasting destiny of my Lord because he fights the Lord's battle throughout your life. May evil not be followed, not be found in you. Now, Abigail is now blessing David and giving David from all that she has. And now, yes, yeah, she's protecting herself, but she's also protecting her family. And she now is dealing with someone who is going to be the king. And, uh, and she proceeds to say, someone is pursuing you and in and intends to take your life. My Lord, my Lord's life is tucked safely in the place where the Lord, your God, protects the living. But he is fleeing away from your enemies. Enemies lie like stones from a sling. When the Lord does for, I'm sorry, when the Lord does, for my Lord, all the goods he's promised you and appointed you ruler over Israel. There will not be a remorse or a troubled conscience for my Lord because of this needless bloodshed of my Lord's revenge. And when the Lord does good things for my Lord, 
may you remember me, your servant. And so Abigail takes on the responsibility of a peacemaker where she goes out after David, provides for him and his um, men, and blesses him. And so she proceeds to really deal with and, and protects her husband, Nabal, who is a fool. She didn't tell him that day what she did, but the next day when he wakes up, he tells him the story, and I, I think you know what goes on after that, that he has a heart attack and dies, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm, one, I'm setting up a scenario because I want you to be aware that there's been a, some work that has been put uh, into play when we start to talk about Jesus is saying that uh, blessed is the peacemaker, for they shall be called the sons of God. I thought that was such a, as I read through um, Matthew 5, how Jesus talked about those that uh, mourn, that they will um, be comforted. But when he gets to the peacemaker, he now associates the peacemakers with a relationship. Jesus connects the peacemakers as his brothers and sisters because he says the son of God. Well, who's the son of God? Jesus. And he says these people are going to be my brothers and my sisters. How does God see his sons and his daughters as peacemakers? How does he do that? And what does he want us to do with this idea that we need and how should we respond to conflict? So Ken Sandy spells out three ways for us to respond to conflict. Similar to the story of David and Nabal, you can can respond to conflict in one of three ways. You can respond to it by the means of escaping. You can respond to it by the means of attacking. Or you can respond to it by being a peacemaker. And we saw the dynamics of all three of those in that story that uh, Samuel writes in the 25th verse. So I want to look at each of these responses and to see how these responses can best strengthen our marriages and our relationships with our loved ones. So one of the three uh, responses is called the escape response. People tend to use this response when they are more interested in avoiding conflict than resolving it. This attitude is common within the church because Christians believe all conflict is wrong and dangerous. Thinking Christians should also agree, I'm sorry, should always agree, thinking that Christians should always agree or fear that conflict will inevitably damage relationships. These people usually 
do one of the three to escape this form of conflict. The first thing that they might do is that they might live or deal with it as in, in denial. They just might want to escape from the conflict um, and pretend that it doesn't exist or simply refuse to do what should be done to establish proper purpose. So I want you to think about Genesis 16, 1 through 6. This happened. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's hear what happens in Genesis 16, 1 through 6. Ron's going to read for us. Oh, that was my cue. Yeah. <laughs> in the instance of Sarah and Hagar, I guess we're familiar with who they are. That's... Um, Abraham. Abraham's wife and Abraham's wife's maidservant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sarah is his wife. Hagar is a maidservant. Now, Sarah, <clears throat> Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, Now, behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised her in sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me, be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Yeah, so us uh, Sarai, she was in denial. She, they took what God promises and they put it in their own human hands. So instead of waiting for God, they came up with their own solution. And that created a real problem because now you've got um, Hagar who has to really flee because she feels as though she uh, is, is being mistreated. And Sarah, she is not uh, dealing with the reality that that's what she did. Or uh, let's look at the uh, prophet Eli and his sons in First Samuel 2, 22-25. We're going to read the whole story, but just that portion of First uh, Samuel. It's also, excuse me, Eli rebukes his son. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who served in the doorway in the tent of meeting. He said to them, 
Why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from these, all these people? No, my son, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father. But the Lord desired to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and favor both with the Lord and with men. And so here again, even though Eli rebuked his sons, by right he should have taken them out of the office for all the sins that they had committed. But he was too soft-hearted. And what did it do? It killed their sons. His sons were destroyed. And God had to replace them with someone that was willing to listen. And so this whole issue of denial has has affected the church in such a way that it keeps us from being as effective as we need to. But denial is just one of the ways that we uh, have an escape response. The next one is to flee or to or flight. Another escape behavior is just to run away. So we saw that in with um, Hagar. Uh, this may uh, include sometimes leaving the house or ending a friendship or quitting a job or filing for divorce or changing churches. In most cases, running away only postpones a proper response to a problem. Genesis 16, 6 through 9 uh, is a good way for us to look at that. Brian, do you have that? Yeah, so we're going to pick up where he left off uh-huh. there, where Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Mm. So sometimes fleeing is not the answer, and God draws us back into those situations. But sometimes uh, that, that flight can be as, as, harm, as a harmful way to solve the problem. But I also want to put a caveat there. Sometimes fleeing has to, um, is, a temporary, is a temporary situation. So it's not like Hagar. She ran, but then she was sent back. Sometimes we're in situations where we need to temporarily step away so we can calm ourselves down. So we can pray and we can organize our thoughts. So it is not totally fleeing. It is giving ourselves time to be in the presence of God to deal with some of the issues that we're dealing with. Uh, and sometimes fleeing is a reasonable response to deal with physical or sexual abuse. Now that starts to put a different lens on dealing with flight. Because now you're trying to get away from a situation that is causing you harm. Um, so now you might have to step outside of your family to get some help 
with those kind of situations. And so uh, it could be sort of like when David was uh, trying to get away from Saul because Saul in uh, first uh, Samuel 19 and 9 and 11 was after David. How does that read, Ron? Now, there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing the harp with his hand. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. Mm. And so sometimes we have to flee so we can be saved. So I don't want to give a, a double message there. It's just that running away sometimes is appropriate, but sometimes it is not. So this is when we really have to listen to the voice of God and 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 do what the Spirit is telling us. The third kind of escape response is suicide. I know you think suicide, Tony. It's an extreme response, but it's an escape nonetheless. When people lose all hope for resolving the conflict or making a desperate or or they're making a desperate cry for help by attempting to take their own life, it is important that people remember that that suicide takes on different forms. It's just not their own life. Sometimes suicide can look like and I, Ron and I talked about this. It can be alcoholism. It can be drugs. It can be sex. Outside of your marriage, it could be uh, being in a homosexual or a lesbian relationship, knowing that staying in those relationships will kill you if you stay in those relationships because it's not what God ordained relationships to look like. And I also thought about this, y'all, in the light of generational curses that need to be addressed and not ignored. So suicide takes on different forms. And it, it sometimes it's the elephant in the room. Sometimes it is um, it requires us to do some fasting and praying so we can address the problem. It's, it reminds me of how Jesus dealt with the, the young man that was naked and cutting himself in the graveyard. He rebuked those spirits, and and the disciples said, "Well, why didn't why why couldn't we um, actually deal with him?" And he said, "Because these things come out by fasting and praying. So we have generational curses that we need to, as a family, come together and come against, so we can we can deal with some of that suicide." Oh, you mentioned something about suicide and. Uh, well, as far as relationships are concerned, many times couples wind up committing suicide by getting divorced. Oh. Well, that way they kill the marriage. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, just like uh, suicide haunts people's families. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're not there to, the people 
who commit suicide are not there to experience it. Right, right. But their families must carry their own the burden mm-hmm. of that mourning for them. Right. And they're constantly wondering what could they have done, what could they have done. Well, both people who are victimized by divorce right. have those same kinds of feelings. Mm-hmm. What could they have done? What could they have done to have prevented it? It lives long after the suicide of divorce. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. many times people recover. It depends on why the divorce occurred. Mm-hmm. If there was extreme abuse on the part of one of them. Yeah. And the, per- and the other person fled the marriage for uh, for safety, safety reasons. reasons. Right. Then uh, that's, that's, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But uh, when both people who are bound to do the dictates of the Lord Decide to disobey the Lord's dictates that no man put asunder or do God is joined together. And then they have to live with the uh, the guilt of that for the rest of their lives. And the consequences that go along with that. Yes, sir. There are consequences. Yeah. And and that's and that's hard. When you said that, it was like, oh my goodness. Um, that's why God said that He hates divorce because He knows the ramifications of what. It does in a way that, like you said, it, it permits suicide to that relationship and then all the other uh, residual mm-hmm. uh, damage that goes along with that. Yeah. So we talked about this escape response, and it's denial, flight, and suicide. So that's, that's on one side of it. Let's talk about another response on conflict is to the attack responses. This response is used by people who are more interested in winning the conflict than preserving the relationship. This uh, attitude is seen in people who view conflict as a contest or a chance to assort their right to control others. Assert their right, sorry, to control others. And so this, uh, there are, are three ways that this attack response is, um, is, is, has behaviors. So the very first one is assault. Uh, some people overcome their opponents by using various forms of intimidation which could be verbal, physical, violent, or even a, to damage a person's financial or to damage them financially or professionally. As cited in Acts 6, 8 through 15, in the case of Stephen. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue and the freedmen, including the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and some of the Sicilians, and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came to, up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forth false witnesses who said, 
This man incessantly speaks against the holy place and the Lord and the law. But we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting on the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Hmm. So Stephen was dealing with people who had were assaulting him. They wanted to physically do harm to him. This always makes the situation worse, y'all, because they are going to try to, they, as they they use a common uh, word today, bully. But it was it was it was bigger than that, because there was there's life at the at at risk here. The second response uh, to uh, uh, assault is uh, litigation. Another way to force a person to bend to your will is to take them to court. Although some conflicts may legitimately be uh, go before a civil judge, as in uh, Acts 24, and uh, and this is a long passage. So instead of trying to read through that whole thing, is when when Paul was being accused, and uh, and he went before the court and took his case. And and they uh, they could not uh, actually um, defend or they could not actually um, actually get a case against him because every time he they would he would then come and 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 God would give him a, a resolve to the problem and and tell them what to do give the wisdom and the knowledge that they needed so he would always come against his accusers. And so uh, Paul had to deal with that. Well, one of the things that happens is when Christians go to court and it involves both sides, their witness is normally severely damaged because now the world is looking on and saying, this is how Christians deal with one another. They, they, they destroy each other's character. What, what, what kind of uh, Christians are these? And then the last form of um, assault is considered murder. And yes, this is an extreme case, but people may so um, desire to win a dispute that they would even try to kill who opposes them. And so this is what happens in Acts seven fifty four through 58. You're going to finish that story about Stephen, right? Stephen put to death. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I I see the heavens open up, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of the young man named Saul. Um, it was Saul of Tarsus. Later, become the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. 
Many Christians would not actually kill someone as they did here. But we would never forget that we stand guilty of murder in God's eyes when we harbor anger or contend in our hearts towards each other. Sometimes this happens in, in, in marriages. Our husbands or our wives, we, we really hurt them. First John 3 and 15, do you have that one? Everyone who hates his brother or sister. Every, oh, yeah, everyone who hates his brother and sister is a murderer. And you know that there no murderer has the uh, eternal life residing in him. And so it's so important. And in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, what does Jesus say? Referring to personal relationships, these are the words of Jesus. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. Oh, my goodness. This scripture has been a great part of my life because I can remember my sister, Cookie, always telling me, oh, don't call him a fool. Don't do that to me. You're going to go to hell. And I can remember being maybe eight or nine when I heard that the very first time. So I was like, what? I'm going to hell because I say somebody's a fool. And she took me to the scripture and she read it to me. So it really makes me stop to consider that no word can murder somebody. We can destroy somebody's reputation. In the church, did I say that? Mm, help me, Jesus. And so I'm going to tell you what, we are at the end. I, we're not at the end. We're right in the middle of our, our teaching. So what we're going to do is I'm going to leave you with a scripture, but we're going to come back and finish this next month. Mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to James 3, 17 through 18. I'm going to leave you with this scripture as you consider what we've talked about. So tonight we talked about conflict, and we talked about those things that are at the root of conflict uh, from um, Ken uh, Sandy, uh, who is the uh, author of The Peacemaker. He's at the center of the work that we really do in our church as we resolve conflict. And so... uh, I, I want to tell you that this is only part of the teaching. So this lays the foundation of the things that we do and maybe we should not do. These are the things that you might be guilty of or you might not be guilty of. I would say that I'm guilty of some of these things. And this is where, as we started, to say that God gives us conflict so we can see what's in our heart and what's in our mind, those things that keeps us from being in his presence. And so uh, I want to leave you with James. And my husband says that James is the, uh, what do you call it? He's a New Testament proverb. He's a New, he's a New Testament proverb. And that's in 3, 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, 
full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. And so I want you to think about that until we come again together next month when we talk about what are the three responses that peacemakers do when they are dealing with conflict. It is in your hands. And the rules of engagement. And the rules of engagement. Fighting fair. It's in your hands, Minister Sylvia. Jesus, Jesus. That was the meat on tonight. I hope you all are excited about receiving meat. There was no milk. We received the beef because that was a strong word. And I received the strong word because at the end of it, we were talking about family. When you have family members that don't believe and they are not believers or they don't live the life of a believer, you have to know that somebody has to stand in the gap. Just like Jesus rescued us from sin, somebody has to stand in the gap for your family. Amen. Because it just said you, you can't call your someone a fool. How do you say you love me who you haven't seen? That's the word. And you have mm-hmm. your brother that you see it every day. Every day. How? Come on. How? So when you are a believer, because, see, I was once in a world full of sin, and mm. I remember growing up, they say, don't go out there. Ain't nothing out there. My mother said, don't tell that lie. She said, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sin looks fun. Mm. Sin looks like if you're not going to be a part of it, you're missing something. Come on. But somebody stood in the gap for me. Yeah. And I thank God that somebody didn't just stand in the gap for me as I was in the world. <laughs> when I came over, I still have someone standing in the gap for me that I would stay focused. Yeah. Uh, that I would stay on assignment. Because, see, when you don't want to deal with the conflict, I spoke earlier about things my family and I have been dealing with. Don't mm-hmm. people say we're strong? No, we're not strong. We're believers. We trust mm. God. We trust God. So don't think it ain't Amen. no conflict going on. Hmm. Don't think don't nobody want to go tap something. <laughs> don't think, as Mother Tony and Minister Ron said on tonight, assault. Hmm. Don't think don't nobody want to act a certain way. But see, we have to remember yeah. because of God. God said He's our revenger. Yeah. We said we trust God. We got to leave it in His hands. And I'm just using that as an explanation and using that as a point of contact because, see, I can't tell your story. And I can't get no feeling. And I could only tell you tonight this was a strong word for me because I'm looking mm-hmm. for a place to escape. And I have found out it's between Genesis and Revelation. Mm-hmm. I look for a place to say, God, I need you right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything that's going on. I need you right now. 
Because, see, we have a saying that say, God, in this season, whatever you're doing, don't forget about me. But you oh, got yeah. to know that in this season, things happen because there's a level that God must know that you're going to be able to handle when he takes you to. Mm-hmm. You can't let anything and everything assault your relationship with God. I'm not escaping from him. I found out a month ago, I ministered myself, I found out God was a strong tower. So in a place of my conflict, I'm running to my tower. So at this time, the lines are open. You can share how the word blessed you on tonight. If you can't say nothing, just say amen, 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 I receive it. The lines are open. Good evening. Oh. This is uh, Carmita from uh, Las Vegas, and I will say amen, amen, and amen. As usual, uh, these two have so much information uh, yeah. to share with us, and it's all pertinent information, starting with Genesis 16, Abram and Sarah's unbelief. That unbelief, God had told them what to expect and what he promised cause a conflict in their in their home uh, due to Sarai's schemes that Abram fell in with. And then we went to First Samuel 19. Uh, there was so much information. And then uh, uh, Minister Ron, suicide by divorce, that's something to really think about. But not only the death of the marriage, but the death of the family structure and the security for the children. When you talk about residual damage, Mother Tony, that's residual damage that will last a lifetime. And, you know, looking back, hindsight, when you say running away is sometimes appropriate but not uh, not always is it appropriate. Sometimes we have to stand still. And because I understand that now, See, the hindsight and the better understanding of God's word and his will, sometimes we need to be still and tune in and listen to his word, you know, especially when you're dealing with family structure and children. So this is all so important. This is important information, and I'm hoping that especially young families, young marriages, conflicts, open the lines of communication so that there's no misunderstanding. And when you talk about intimidation, see, this is so much information. Amen and amen. So I'm going I'm to leave it right there because I got two pages full of notes here that I got to put in order so I can go back through them. <laughs> ah, thank you so much. This was a blessing. Uh, thank you, Minister uh, Kaiser and uh, Apostle Cecilia. I love this program. Thank you so much. And I missed uh, the first very beginning because I was just coming in. You know, I'm in Chicago. And I said, oh, my Lord, I missed uh, blog talk. I said, no, I didn't because I'm getting on right now. But uh, the prayer, um, I know the prayer and the blessing uh, was a blessing and a song if there was one. So I missed that part of it. Sorry for that. But uh, I got my fill. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Carmita. Hey, Tanya, thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you made your uh, time zone adjustment so you could join us. <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, good evening, saints of God. 
This is Minister Marshall, and I just like to uh, uh, congratulate my um, my partners in this ministry, <laughs> uh, Mother Tony and Minister Ron, on presenting us with information that we need with scripture reminders of what we're facing, and even though many of these things happened centuries ago, it shows us there's nothing new under the sun, and that as a word for us, if we will simply take it and apply it to our lives. Thank you very much for helping us to realize conflict is in many cases, inevitable. But it's not mm-hmm. something we can run from or hide from, but we must learn to deal with and always take the role of peacemaker because God wants us to be his ambassadors. Bless you both. Thank you so much. Thank you, Margo. Thank you, Margo. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else at this time? Yes, this is Cecilia. I just wanted to say I find um, God is so amazing to me. Um, I actually was talking to someone, well, counseling someone um, on today about conflict management <laughs> and conflict in general, and they were talking about some of the things that they had learned in the conflict management training that I sent them to. I said, but mm-hmm. now how are you going to apply it? As a person that says that you're a pastor, I said, because you're a pastor, you're a worker, and people are looking at you in so many different ways. So how are you going to take the conflict management training you had and the Bible and apply it all to be able to react appropriately? I said, without the uh, hollering, without the... uh, inappropriate behavior. I said, so now how do you apply it? And he um, talked about the scriptures that he was studying, and it really blessed me that he said God showed him that the point of him going to the conflict management and the point of me addressing um, his behavior was so that he could be a better leader. And I said, that's true, because as leaders, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have conflict but it means right. that we have to know how to respond to the conflict. So thank you all mm-hmm. for um, mm-hmm. this because it actually edified me in some of the things God had told me to say during that counseling session. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and amen, and amen, and amen. And I myself, as Minister Celia said, is dealing with conflict right now, um, yeah. dealing with um, my sister passing. So thank you. I needed this. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, God. Okay. Thanks, thanks. Thank you for sharing that with us, Minister Cecilia. That yeah. is uh, so kind of you and insightful uh, for you to say the conflict is inevitable. It is because when you put two free three two free thinking people together, sometimes their thoughts and their actions are going to be diverse from each other, and so the conflict is inevitable. But it's important that we follow the rules of the resolution of conflict 
Because if we do, we grow from the conflict rather than shrink from. Yeah. Amen. And I, uh, I, uh, I am so uh, amazed by God lining things up because I was like, conflict. Lord, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I talk about conflict? But it is how He lines things up. It's, it's about Him and His and His people. And uh, and I love the idea of a pastor going through the conflict management training because that means that he has some tools that he can pass on to his congregation. Because one of the things that we deal with in the church is that we don't deal with it very well. Mm-hmm. And so there, and, and we'll talk about this more next time when we get together, talk about the tools that God has given us to deal with the conflict and how to then uh, move it forward so we can build the body of Christ. So thank y'all for just giving us. Amen. Is there anyone else at this time? Okay. Well, I'm going to say this before I give our closing remarks. Um, One thing that the body of Christ has to remember, it's okay to look for the good, the the new cars, the new homes, the the, the wedding and the the big rings and all of that stuff and the new toys. But a lot of times we don't want to deal with the other stuff. You know, we talk Mm. about the secret sin. But we don't want to deal with the other stuff that we're going through because just because I tell you I'm saved does not mean I don't hurt, does not mean that I don't cry, does not mean that I won't get angry because the word says sin lieth at the door. That wasn't just a a space that God needed to put something there. It it was a space that God needed to put some knowledge for us to tell you that no matter what you go through, no matter what your title is, no matter how high you sit, sin lies at the door. And when you have members of the body of Christ, the mother Tony said from the beginning she couldn't shake it. She didn't mm-hmm. understand, but God understood somebody needed that. Somebody needed mm-hmm. that because I asked a couple of months ago, when the comforter needs to be comforted, who do they go mm. to? Mama. A lot of times we have to understand God sends us what we need when we need it. We say that uh, I'll I, I be late or you be late, but we always teach you that God is on time. Yes, he is. Mm. Yes, God. He sends you what you need in time because, see, in a time like this, mm. it's not your turn, but it's our turn. You know, we, we, we're going through the the season of pain. We're going mm. through the season of heartbreak. We're yeah. going through the season of anxiety. Come on now, please, I can't take no more. Mm. When you look at, we look at my sister was taken from us on the 18th of July, yeah. and then her grandson was hit two days prior, I mean two days after that. And then her other mm-hmm. son was hit a month later on the same day. Then wow. we, we dealt with the anniversary of our father dying on the 20th of November, I mean, the, of August. Mm-hmm. 
we got um, so much going on at this time, but yet we still say, God, I say yes. So even when your spirit and your physical is as a, as that go with, that go with competing, that goes mm-hmm. with conflicting, that goes with well, right now I don't feel like it. As my mm-hmm. sister said, she said we have to be careful because see a lot of you all don't understand when you get to a state depression slips in. Mm-hmm. That goes. For the evil one snuck in unaware. So we stand on assignment because we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. An idle mind is a playground for the devil. So, with that being said, I'm going to cut that right there and just let you all know we have to stay focused and on assignment. We even have to address conflicts in our life. Regardless if we want to or not, we have to address it. And we have to say, God, forgive me. We, that's why he said mm. repent days. Repent right. Mother Tony, Minister Rod, is there anything else you all would like to share with us before I give a closing remark? Mm. No, we're praying for y'all. We're just praying for you and praying for the ministry. Amen. Thank you all so much. We receive it. We accept it and we acknowledge that we need prayer. I want you all to know that we are very happy for the word tonight. The word came in a timely manner. It came when was needed. We want to thank you all for tuning in. You know, Even if we didn't get any views or a lot of views on Facebook, I'm okay with that. Because, see, I'm going right. to be like Apostle-elect Cecilia Kaiser tonight say, that was for me. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, that was for me. So we just want you all to We're here every Monday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're also here on um, Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 p.m. I'm sorry, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This uh, Friday coming up. Uh, we're going to see what the Lord is saying with who's going to be the speaker um, this Monday coming up. I think this is the fifth Monday of the month. I'm not, I don't have my calendar. Yes. This is the fifth Monday of the month. I'm kind of for sure. Yes. We're going to see is. what. Uh, yes, it is. We're going to see if Minister Lawrence Seabury will be our youth speaker. He's normally our youth pastor on the fifth Friday, fifth Mondays of the month. We're going to see what God say, but I believe he's going to be on assignment. And we're just asking you all to come back. And don't forget on Sunday morning with Iron Sharpening Iron, Smile 3E, Ministries That's Worldwide, well, Dr. Apostle-elect Cecilia Kaiser will be our speaker on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Her co-host is Minister Margo McCor and Minister Brandon Kaiser. We are excited about what God is doing. And tonight, if you want to be a blessing to the ministry, um, you can send, I put it on our Facebook page, cash app to Sparkle, S-P-A-R-K-L-E, 750, N or Zale to Sylvia Kaiser. And if you um, 
bless the ministry on tonight, whatever is given. I will make sure that um, I get in touch with you to find out what are you giving to who. I would just share with our speakers on tonight, which is Minister Ron and Mother Tony Montgomery. I just want you all to know we're not asking you to pay into the ministry. We're just asking you to plant into the ministry. This is good ground. This ministry is for all seasons, all reasons, and all people. It's a ministry of just and unjust, saved and unsaved. What I mean by that is you don't have to be saved to listen in or tune in or be a part of this ministry. We're just letting you know that God is here, God is available, and God is waiting on you. So our foundational scripture is Matthew 6 to 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We love you with the love of the Lord, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Good night.